Taylor Swift is not the boss of me. And I want my MTV is out. I am my MTV is in. This is episode 22 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to Media Unplugged. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, Taylor Swift is not the boss of me. If I keep saying it enough, maybe people start believing it. What do you think? I don't know. Is she? <laughs> Who's she the boss of, Mark? Well, that's the issue. I think uh, if you haven't heard yet, Apple has a new CEO, and her name is Taylor Swift. Gosh, she does everything now. She does. <laughs> <laughs> last week, of course, uh, last week Apple rolled out their Apple Music thing, and Taylor... Um, tweeted or Facebooked, whatever she did, that she wasn't going to put her new album, 1989, on the platform because for the first three months of Apple Music, the, the, the free-to-consumers free three months of Apple Music, apparently the negotiation between Apple and the labels uh, resulted in the fact that Apple wouldn't pay anything to the artist during those three months. Um, so uh, Taylor said... Taylor tweeted something like, Apple, you don't uh, give away your iPhones for free. Why should we give away our music? <laughs> and within, I think it was about 30 seconds, Apple's uh, Eddie Q responded, you're right. We will pay artists in that first three months, just like we do after that first three months. We do, by the way, have a slightly larger payout after the three months than some of the other guys. But you're right, Taylor. We love you. We love music. We love artists. We're in it for the little people. Uh, love Apple. Um, <laughs> And here was my first thought, Tom, when I heard this back and forth. Now, I'm not much of a conspiracy person, usually. I am. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but if you've ever sat down with anybody from the music labels and tried to persuade them that any of their content should be exposed to any listeners at any time for any reason for free, you will quickly discover that there's no way that's going to happen. So I, my question is, how in the world was it that Apple, Apple came to uh, this negotiated settlement with the labels such that for three months of unlimited usage of their content, their artists would be paid zero. How in the world did that happen, Tom? If it happened. <laughs> we don't I'm know. I mean, obviously, Mark, the, the, Apple didn't sit down for a year prior to re releasing this service and say, can you imagine being in a room and nobody saying, hey, guys, if we release the first three months without giving anyone a cut, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. What do you think we should do? I'm sure that it came up, right? It had to come up in conversation. Oh, I, I mean, I'm going to play it out for you right now. Here's <laughs> what happened, okay? Here's what happened. They came up in conversations. They discuss it with their PR firm. They, uh, Eddie Q from Apple calls up Big Machine, Taylor's label, and says, hey, we have an idea. Um, let's roll this thing out with the promise that all the artists will get paid, paid only when Apple makes a buck after three months. And then what happens is Taylor will post a complaint about it, 
And then we will immediately respond saying, of course, we're going to pay everybody from the very beginning, just like you wish. And oh, by the way, just like every other streaming service provider already does. Oh, Mark, what kind of story is it? I mean, (laughs) isn't it a better story to have a 25-year-old pop singer use the power of the people (laughs) in the internet and stand down the world's most valuable company? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you mean such that she looks better, they look better, all the artists look better, and the entire category looks better, and artists and, and Apple looks like an ever more artist-friendly organization? You mean because all of those kind of coincidental things will occur? Is yeah, that what you're asking me? It's funny how that happened, huh? Her brand <laughs> got a boost, Apple's brand got a boost, which launches tomorrow. Oh, yeah, that's right. And they're also going to have Taylor Swift's 1989 album. Yes. Which she won't which, release to Spotify and Pandora. <laughs> that's right. What a coincidence, Tom. You know what, though? You and I are literally the only people I've ever seen hear or uh, talk <laughs> or write about this probability, yet it's the obvious thing to me. And I'm so glad to hear you're just as cynical, jaded, and conspiratorial as I am. I think it's funny. A thing I don't understand, and you know, maybe you can explain this to me because it, it kind of, I don't know. I just, I'm always a bit confused when it comes to how this all works anyway. So, so I'm reading that she refused to release her album 1989 to Spotify and Pandora because their free tier service cheapens her product i said okay (laughs) so i don't know what that means and so then i said well wait a minute let me go on to youtube that's the what that's Mm -hmm. the number one place to listen to free online music i think there's a billion listeners monthly on youtube Mm -hmm. and i said well lo and behold taylor swift's entire 1989 playlist is on youtube how (laughs) i don't get what's going on here (laughs) what does that mean Free tiered service cheapens her product. Well, this is this is another indication that what you and I were talking about is so that she's that she's playing with symbolism here. She's calling one thing a cheapening of her product, while another thing that's entirely equivalent and pays her just as little is somehow not cheapening her product. It doesn't make any sense. And in fact, this very argument was one that uh, uh, one of Pandora's founders, Tom Conrad, pointed out. Now I know Tom. And there was a whole thing in one of the trades about uh, uh, displaying his, illustrating his tweets on this topic. Here are his tweets. Let me just go through them quick. Number one, Spotify, YouTube, Pandora, and others will pay artists for their free tiers and trials. It's the right thing to do. And oh, by the way, it's what they've always done. Number two, Swift took her new album off Spotify, not because she's not paid, but because she feels their free service, quote, devalues music, as you said. Number three, Swift never pulled from YouTube which is the most popular free service and certainly devalues music if Spotify does. Number four, Swift's career was built on terrestrial radio play, which is a free service and doesn't pay recording artists a dime. And that's, by the way, just one of those historical things that they pay labels plenty, but there's no uh, performance uh, rights fee uh, attributable to over-the-air broadcasts. Number five, Apple isn't getting rid of its long free trial but is now going to pay artists. This simply puts it at parity with all the other players. And oh, by the way, Tom doesn't realize that this was a plan all along. (laughs) Number six, reminder, Apple uses music to make billions off hardware. Artists see nothing from this. And this, I think, is a big one. What people don't understand is that that to an approximation, all of Apple music is a rounding error for Apple. 
Right. That what they really want to do is Sell create iPhones. an ecosystem, create an ecosystem that they can control, that matters to consumers, at the center of which is their technology and their hardware, which is expensive and profitable. That's right. Yeah, they want to Number, sell iPhones, right? So they don't want they anyone do. to leave the iPhone and go to Android. So how do you right. how do you do that? Make sure you keep adding value to that thing. That's right. And in fact, another article that I looked at from uh, this is twenty four seven Wall Street. It says, uh, you know, if they're not making much money from this, why would they do it? One clue comes from a twenty twelve Forbes article that described the company's overall strategy. Apple launches quote. Desirable offerings and features to create lock-in and switching costs, the article stated. In other words, Apple creates services and features not in order to generate revenue from them directly, but as a means of selling the products it does make a significant amount of money on. And sadly, those are products for, for, from which the artists will benefit not at all. Yeah, yeah. It's not really a switching cost. I mean, it's, it's a psychological right. switching cost. Because it doesn't cost you anything to switch from iPhone to Android, but if you're going to if you're going to not lose something, see right? If I if I don't have yeah. Apple Music and I switch to get something else, then I, you know maybe I'll go. But now if I have Apple Music, if I leave, I'm going to leave Apple Music. So what they're trying to do is just continue to add value to this thing so that people won't leave it. And they're adding value to this thing uh, f- uh, using content in media that the audience, I- 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 that its primary uh, buying audience wants, which is you know, pop culture, music, all of this stuff is very relevant to the core audiences that they're most interested in, which is why they're doubling down on it. But I think it is so funny that for artists, which of all people should realize now in this age, when you're not making all the money you used to make from vinyl and you're not making all the money you used to make from CDs and you're never ever going to make that kind of money from streaming just because of the nature of the beast right. and more of your uh, revenue has to come from touring and merch and you know licensing and all the other stuff these artists do, they don't realize <laughs> that, that they are simply the kind of the foot in the door for Apple's ecosystem, um, and once you get into that ecosystem, uh, it's about the artist, not at all. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just part. It's just like I said. It's just part. It's a value component to them. Yeah, that, pure and simple. I can't believe that you agree with me that this is a this is a prefab conspiracy. Oh, I, I love think that. It is. Yeah, I, I think it is. <laughs> Love nobody's saying that but us. <laughs> All right. Um, you are listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asacker and Mark Ramsey. I want my MTV is out. I am my MTV is in. Tom, this is from an article in Digiday. Um, MTV, it may surprise nobody at all, is having some troubles of late. <laughs> and they are working to kind of uh, what's, well, what the trade calls a massive rebranding. You know, things are tough when it requires a quote, massive rebranding. <laughs> and they're rolling this out internationally first before they bring it to the U.S. Um, here's the premise. The premise is uh, they're creating this thing called MTV Bump. Make stuff, get it on the air, take control of MTV. And here's the quote from the creative director at a company that's uh, that's supervising this for them. Be real creative. Be real creative. Isn't that good? <sighs> Play on words. Young... <laughs> Young people today have so many ways to get their voices out there with social media. MTV Bump can bring them onto the network so they're no longer a passive audience. Now, you know and I know that a lot of what makes an audience is passivity. 
that the best thing about being an audience is being passive, right? Well, of course. Look, it, it, <laughs> these what are they doing? So they've been struggling. It's a, so it's no surprise. They're chasing a fickle, fast-moving audience. This, these are kids who can get just about any distraction they want, mm -hmm. day or night, on their smartphones. So what's MTV trying to do? So they're trying to give the creators of that content, I don't care what it is, whether it's music, art, stunts, whatever, a, a quote-unquote bigger stage. We're going to put these people on television. And then what are they going to hope? They're going to hope that those people drive their fans to that stage somehow to consume it. Now, this is nothing new. I mean, look, networks have tried it with authors who have large social media followings. Mm -hmm. Tim Ferriss on HLN, Dan Pink on a National Geographic channel. Mm. Is it going to work? I don't know, because this is what puzzles me about this. I'm not sure that young people sit down in front of a TV to have short, loud, ADD-type experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what they really want? And, and the creative people, they said, well... Most of these people, of, most of our audience are looking for television media brands to give them a platform for their creativity. That's not true. <laughs> the hell That's is that? just so false on its face, isn't it? Exactly. Most of us want to <clears throat> sit back and be entertained in a way that we can't get from our smartphones. Right? So let me, let me ask you this. So here's, let me go into some detail about what this is. MTV Bump will pull clips, pull clips of content submitted by viewers on MTVBump.com via Instagram and Vine. Eventually, content will be automatically scraped from the hashtag MTV Bump. The content will be filtered for local relevance in each market and can be turned around and put on the air within two hours. Users will be notified when their content is going to air, hopefully drawing, hopefully drawing important young viewer eyeballs to MTV. Because... You're absolutely right. I mean, this is nothing more than essentially than than a a an MTV selfie is what they should have called it. Mm. Uh, an attempt for you to drag your own friends into watching you on MTV. Hey, mom, I'm on MTV. I made it. I finally made it. it. I'm on TV. Yeah, and um, that I think what's so interesting about this two things. First of all, um, not coincidentally, also debuting this week on US MTV is the TV version of Wes Craven's Scream. <laughs> which is a series, right. which couldn't be more narrative-based and more contrary to I Am My MTV yeah, if it tried, right? I know. I don't think these kids, I don't think they care. I don't think TV means to them what it meant to us, you know? It's not like, hey, my clip is on TV. So what? I mean, it's almost like Steve Martin in The Jerk, right? When he saw his name in the phone book. I made it. I'm, you know, I'm somebody. It's, who cares? Now, is experimenting a good thing for brands to do, media brands? Absolutely. Do consumers desire experimentation? No. I was reading the chief, chief marketing officer of Viacom UK. She says... Kerry Taylor, she says, our audience expects MTV to push boundaries and take creative risks. No, they don't. No, they don't. The audience <laughs> wants quality entertainment <laughs> the way they define it. That's it. You know, I'm reminded of something we talked about on a much earlier episode. Remember I told you HLN had this new thing called News in a Movie? Right. Where they had a bunch of social media come in and they would break this movie up like 15 times. Oh, and we they would talked have about that. I told a you bunch that was of a social disaster. Media Who wants to do yes. that? Not only that, but uh, suspiciously, 
it isn't on HLN anymore, and I've never seen anything about it going off HLN. Yeah. So it has just quietly evaporated, and that's another example of saying, well, people want social. Let's bring social to TV, and thus we'll give people more of what they want. What people forget in this case, I think, is, you know, this uh, I am my MTV is literally the tagline for this new thing. I want my MTV was once the tagline of MTV, but what people forget is I want my MTV wasn't just a tagline. It was a clarion call to young people because the rest of that spot, as I recall it, was tell your cable company, I want my MTV. That was the purpose. The purpose was to get distribution on cable operators that were not carrying the channel. That's a whole different thing. So to say, it used to be I want my MTV, and now it's I am my MTV, it's just it's just way too conveniently prefab in my view. Well, I don't see it, but we, but we, we shall see, right, Mark? <laughs> we shall see. We have never been wrong yet. We haven't been right yet, but we also haven't That's been right, wrong That's right, because not enough time has gone by. There's not enough time. Has, we're only 22 episodes deep. There you go. <laughs> um, rants and raves, Tom. What do you have for us today? Oh, well, I don't have anything really too clever. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I think this Tom, is a what rave. part of this was a surprise to you? No, I think this is a rave, but I'm not sure. I mean, I'm going to call it uh, an omen. So I'm reading that Am- so Amazon... Rants and omens. <laughs> it's an omen. So Amazon has services. Well, you know, they've got something called Kindle Unlimited and Kindle mm-hmm. Owner's Lending Library. And that lets people borrow and read a certain number of books at a time. And I think it costs around $10 a month. So anyway, self-published authors who participate in, in these programs, they're paid out of a pool of subscription funds, according to how popular their books are. But mm-hmm. Amazon's about to change something. Starting Wednesday, July 1st, Amazon is going to pay those authors based on the number of pages read rather than the number of times their book has been borrowed. So now I'm already making changes to my book. I'm going to add a whole bunch of pictures. (laughs) I was going to increase the font size and the line spacing, but Amazon already figured that out. And they they, they got some kind of algorithm in there to stop that. Why would it be pages instead of words? Huh? Why would it be pages instead of words? I don't know. I don't know. But here's the thing. I'm not even really sure what to make of this. But here's what I can assure you. Other people are watching this, and they're going to start playing similar metric games. And that's going to mm-hmm. raise the bar for all creatives and content creators. I mean, I'm thinking about this. If I'm a cable network, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to provide an advance for new shows. Then I'm going to pay out against the advance based on the number of minutes that people watch the show. Mm-hmm. Advertisers are going to pay agencies based on the number of seconds that someone watches their ad. Mm-hmm. Creators of online education will be paid based on the number of minutes people stay engaged with the course. This is going to be fun to watch, but I hmm. think it's kind of a bit scary because I'm not sure all value can be captured in numbers. But that's where we're headed with this stuff. Interesting. That's very interesting. And and at the very least, I know this much, and that's the J.K. Rowling somewhere is uttering the term ka-ching. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, Here's my rant for you this week. Uh, This is one you and I actually shared, so this won't come as a surprise to you. But this just got me so steamed, I couldn't even, I could barely contain myself. (laughs) It's uh, from Copyblogger. It's called, and the article is called, or it's an article sales pitch. One never knows with (laughs) Copyblogger. The one irrefutable universal law of podcasting success. And Tom, 
How can you not read that, right? It, well, we need to know what that is, right? What is it? You need to know what it is. I mean, it's it. The, what the answer is is shorter than the actual title of the post, strangely enough. Um, here's what it is. Show up reliably over time. Well, then it, we've got it licked then. I was starting to worry. <laughs> we keep now showing I'm not up. worried anymore. <laughs> So I thought, wait a minute, that's the payoff. Show up reliably over time. And, and the article goes on to say, uh, let's see, um, that most podcasts don't last 10 episodes and most of the rest don't last 20 episodes. So I'm happy to report we're now, we're now in the top 1%, apparently. Excellent. Um, but beyond that, the, the, here's what really irritates me about this. First of all, that's the whole point of this thing. Show up. Secondly... Secondly, the example that is illustrated is, and this is inevitable, you can see this coming. Here it comes. Mark Marin <laughs> oh boy. has produced 614 episodes of WTF since he's launched the show in September 2009. On Monday, he interviewed the President of the United States. The latter does not occur without the former. So in other words, Tom... Well, how many more do we you, have to go before we get to have Barack uh, Obama on our uh, show? Uh, uh, I'm not good at that kind of math, but the answer is 614 minus 22. Oh, okay. All right. Um, Five something. you can see what I'm trying to get at here is that the implication is that Mark, you can be Mark Marin. You are 500 and some odd episodes away from being Mark Marin. You can be Harper Lee. You can write To Kill a Mockingbird 2 if you ever put pen to paper. You can do it too. This notion that if you pick the most successful um, component of the category as an example of the category, then what's the difference between that and doing those, you know, those, those pictures of the people with the turkey necks on the infomercials? <laughs> well, not just that. Why can't you apply this to everything? Why can't you say bonanzas should still be going on? They should have just kept going. <laughs> right? I mean, every show that's off the air, they, they quit too early. That's right. Every show that's off the air quit too early. Every artist quit too early. Well, of course, every artist that fails do think they quit too early, but that's another point. And then the way this wraps is really the clincher for me because you get down to the bottom of this and you realize that what this is, it's a pitch for a class. It's a pitch for a training program because there's nothing that sells like training programs to sell other things that sell training programs that sell other things. <laughs> and if anything, Copyblogger is famous for putting out stuff that people didn't know that they didn't need, but think they need it anyway, even though they don't. Uh, so that's my rant for this week. I was just so irritated that this ended in, in, a, in a class. So the idea is, here's the one thing you need, show up reliably. And if you're the kind of person who shows up reliably, then you are a showrunner. And if you're a showrunner, you got to sign up for the showrunner course. Wait a minute, course. wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm lost. So what is the class going to teach you? How to show up reliably? <laughs> that, that must be it. Like how to set an alarm. Okay, I get it. <laughs> you're confused about which end of the funnel these folks are on. Okay? Oh, these okay. folks are on the top of the funnel. You're thinking of the bottom. Oh. The bottom of the funnel doesn't matter until you, you know, click, uh, click pay. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Very irritating. Anyway. <laughs> That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us at iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. No, it really does. Please rate the show. You can also catch us at SoundCloud, Podcast One, Radio Inc., Media Biz Bloggers, and on a good day, Net News Check. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asacker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If you like the show, please jot a note that you did so. We've seen some of those come through lately. That's been fun to see. 
If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, mediaunplugged.net. Special thanks to the Uber producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio for media. You can find him at jeff-schmidt.com. For Tom Asecker, I'm Mark Ramsey. Thank you for listening.